1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: So the Levites calmed all the people saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and rejoicing and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Grief turned to joy as they understood the whole of the Word of God. I can
0: see the promised land. Though there's pain within the plan, there is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry. The answer for all my life. Every dragon will fall, the mountains will move.
1: Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's
2: study. Father, we thank you that we can be here today and enjoy worshiping together. Enjoy being in your presence. Enjoy being changed by your word. Enjoy loving you better and loving others better because our hearts, our minds, and our souls have been impacted by your word. Lord, let us not just be hearers of your word, but doers, change us from the inside out. We love you, and we praise your name, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, today's message is part of this series, Rethinking Church, right? And so part of the title is Rethinking Church, and then the second part of the title is Then Listen to the Sermon. And what we're going to talk about today is to how to listen to a sermon and experience transformation. And this is going to be an interesting sermon here. I've got about 50 pounds of seed packed into a five-pound bag, so I hope you brought your lunch pails with you today. Our passage today is Nehemiah 8, 1 through 12. And right now, right now, you and I are entering into a partnership. What do I mean by that? What we're doing right now is something that we're doing together. And frankly, to some extent, your job is going to take a lot more energy than my job. And the truth be told, as we do this every Sunday morning, and every Sunday, I can promise you that every Sunday, whether I'm teaching here or at lunch again at the Master's Men and then tonight at night school, And by the way, tonight at night school, we're talking about sex and gender. So be there or be square. But I can promise you that every Sunday I do my best to keep up my end of the deal. But what I want you to do is to keep up yours better than you're doing right now. And not that you're not doing a great job right now. But this partnership requires support. And your job, your job is something called expository listening. Here we do expository preaching. We preach paragraph by paragraph or verse by verse through a book or a chapter of the Bible. And your job is expository listening. Your job is to listen, to understand, and to apply what you're hearing here today. And to do so, to do so, you've got to lay aside all distractions, You've got to focus. You've got to put aside all of my quirks and ticks and forget about me and think about God and drink in and digest the word of God so that you can be transformed by it and perhaps be used by God to transform the lives of others, your children or your grandchildren or your spouse or your siblings or whoever, or lead people to Christ And make no mistakes, both of our roles are active today. Both require work and preparation before, during, and after the sermon. And to be honest, you need to be working as hard at listening as I do at preaching. Your job, I believe, is the most challenging and exhausting of the two. And to that end, I want to read to you a quote by Charles Spurgeon about this very thing and I want you to listen very carefully because that's why you're here today right and Spurgeon writes we are told men ought not to preach without preparation granted but we add men ought not to hear without preparation then he asks the question which do you think needs the most preparation the sower or the ground I would have the sower come with clean hands, but I would have the ground well plowed and harrowed, well turned over, and the clods broken before the seed comes in. Spurgeon continues, it seems to me that there is more preparation needed by the ground than by the sower, more by the hearer, more by the hearer than the preacher. I want you to think about that. As we continue this series today on Rethinking Church, I'd like you to be rethinking the sermon. I really would. I'd like you to be rethinking, listening to the sermon. And so today's passage is a passage that I've preached before and not all that long ago, but I used it to talk about how we preach here. And by way of application, you know, every passage only has one meaning, right? but multiple applications, multiple uses. And today's passage is no exception. And today's passage is Nehemiah chapter 8, verses, uh, I say, 0 through 12, because the last half of the the last verse in chapter 7 should be in chapter 8, but that's that's extra. Now, Nehemiah is the famous cupbearer in the Bible, cupbearer to the king, who God used to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so we have this book that bears his name, but you never hear of Nehemiah outside of the book of Nehemiah. He's a cupbearer, you're like a cupbearer, that's like a confidant, you give the king his wine cup, he trusts you, and so you have sway over the king, and that's what Nehemiah did, he was used by God to use his sway over the king to help with the restoration of Jerusalem. Now Nehemiah was written around 446 B.C. to about 424 B.C., indicated by the names and Things and people mentioned in there, and it was something like his diary, if you've ever read it, or journal. It takes place in the aftermath and obliteration of the Jewish people as a nation, and the deportation uh, from Israel to all over the world. The ten ten of the twelve tribes were scattered all over the place. A number of the tribes were taken to Babylon. Uh, Jerusalem was largely depopulated because they just wouldn't listen to the word of the Lord. And he warned them time and time again, stop chasing these idols, stop chasing all these things, stop making alliances with all these countries, and they wouldn't listen. And so God and his loving discipline scattered them but in the midst of this discipline and hardship and heartbreak, God gave them hope. And in Jeremiah twenty-five eleven, he tells them, your captivity in Babylon and all over the place is only going to last 70 years. Today's passage records the ex- something that took place after the exiles return, where they are coming together to worship, really, as a large, large congregation, as a people for the first time. During the time of Nehemiah and also Ezra's uh, shepherding of these people. And it's into this situation that we step right now. So Nehemiah, you might want to look at 773b. I call it 8.0. And it says this. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns, So they're settled into their homes after 70 years. Verse 1, chapter 8. All the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. They're in the square in Jerusalem before one of the key gates. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate. From early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they made for that purpose. And beside him stood Mattathia, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Mahiasah on his right hand, and Pediah and Mishael, and Malkiah, Hashum, Hashbanana, Zachariah, and Meshullam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above the people, and he, as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amin, Amin, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Yeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Yamin, Akbud Shabbatai, Hodei, Masai, Kelita, Azariah, Yozabad, Hanan, Paliah, the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God clearly and, and, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. That's expository preaching right there. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught to the people, said to all the people, this day, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and Rejoicing, and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Grief turned to joy as they understood the whole of the word of God. What we find here today are three heart conditions which were present in their heart, which you can see in this passage, which must be present in your heart and mine. As we listen to any and every sermon every Sunday and seek to honor the Lord, our great God, by applying it. So let's talk about heart condition number one. And heart condition number one is this, and you see it in the text. We have to have a determined attentiveness. A determined attentiveness. We've got to be focused. We have to be zeroed in on what's being said. We have to come with that attitude. We want to hear. Where do we see that? You see that in verses 1 through 3. All the people, were, all the people gathered as one man, that's like with a single purpose, into the square before the water gate. And they told Moses, uh, Moses they told Ezra, the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel bring the book bring us the word of God so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly both men and women and all who could understand what they heard that's an interesting phrase we've talked about it before we'll talk about it again So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. You think sometimes I go long, right? In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And all the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. Observe a determined attentiveness here. The people worked at paying close attention. They were not passive. You look at this passage, these three verses, they were not just sitting there like bumps on a log. They were active. They were engaged. One can't help notice that the people appear to have come with one thing in mind, to understand God's word and will. And so they ask Ezra to bring us the book of the law. Bring the book of the law of Moses, which was the Bible for them. They had been in exile in foreign lands for over 70 years, and they had returned, and they did not want to make the mistakes of the past by forgetting what God had commanded in his word and ignoring it Rather than following it. And such was their determination. They came as one man with one purpose. And who came? Adult men and adult women, men and women, and all who could understand. Such was their determination. Families came. How do I know this? How can you know this? What do the words say and what do the words mean? The men and the women and all who could listen with understanding. Men and women, of course, you've probably heard the word bar mitzvah, maybe somebody in your neighborhood or somebody that you work with or something, their son or, their son or daughter went through a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. When a Jew turns around 12 or 13, they go through bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, bar for the boys, bat for the men, uh, for the women, I'm sorry. And what that is, they become children of the law. They become adults at that moment. And so when they've been bar mitzvahed at 12 or 13, they are men and women. They are morally accountable before God under the law of Moses. Which brings us to all who could understand. Well, who's that? People under 12 or 13 who can listen and understand. They didn't send them. They didn't send them somewhere else. They brought them with them. All who could listen with understanding. Think school-aged children today. I think in no small way this picture graphically illustrates their determined attentiveness, their determination to understand God's will through God's word and to do it and arguably be changed and transformed by it, by committing their minds, their hearts, and their whole persons, their whole bodies to listening. This means also that they were determined to change and to grow, to follow God's word wherever it would lead them. And to do whatever it said. A determined attentiveness. To repent of the types of thinking and behavior of the past and the conduct that took their parents and grandparents into exile. Now that God and his grace had brought them back to the promised land. A determined attentiveness. Look at verse 3 with me. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And all the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. You can't help but notice the length of the teaching time here. So depending on how you measure time, there is some debate. This could have been from 6 a.m. to 12 noon. Or 9 a.m. to 12 noon. But I would suggest to you it was more than an hour and 15 minutes. There, was no, there were no padded chairs. There was no air conditioning. They were out in the elements. And notice what the, what the inspired text says. And all the ears of the people were attentive. Everyone paid attention as if transfixed. They stayed there in their places. They were there to worship, to understand God's will, understand God's word, and through that understanding make sense of it all, make sense of their existence, make sense of their reason for being, their purpose as a people and as individuals. They realized that the book, the book that they said, bring the book, that that book provided them answers to all the questions that they had about life and existence. Consequently, they had a determined attentiveness. What might this look like today, here and now, with all of us, with me and you? Well, preaching is an interactive process. And I'm actively preaching. The question is, are you, are you actively listening? Are you dialed in? Have you been preparing for at least a day or so or two? To listen to the sermon with determined attentiveness. It brings us back to Spurgeon. Which do you think needs more preparation, the sower or the ground? Spurgeon notes, it seems to me that there is more preparation needed by the ground than by the sower. More by the hearer than the preacher. So what's the point of all this? And what's the application? Well, number one, no later than Saturday, I would say pray for the two of us, me and you. Pray that God speaks through me and be ready to hear what God has to say to you through me. Number two, to this end, do all you can to ready the minds of your entire family. If applicable, if you have children or whatever. that They may be ready to come to listen today and to worship with you. Number three. Make certain that you arrive early enough to get everything taken care of before the service begins, that you arrive ready to listen, all prayed up, you've had time to park your car, to put your small children in the nursery or whatever it is, depending on which service you're in, so that you can be seated and prayerful before the service starts. So that you can sing every song and pray as you ready yourself to listen to the service. to so listen to the sermon. This requires preparation and it requires sacrifice. I had small children once. Now they're kind of big, you know. But I know what it's like to herd kittens, you know. And so you, you need to be ready. Uh, maybe you lay out the clothes the night before. You have everything you need laid out. so you have a, it's, like, it's like a go bag. You grab and go. Do it the night before so you can be ready to come in here and sit down. Maybe talking at breakfast with the family about we're going to church. I wonder what he'll say today in a good way, of course. Number four, before you enter the building, put away all distractions. Silence your phones. Turn off your notifications. Forget about reviewing texts and emails once you get through these doors here. Once you enter into God's house. You know, we are the church. This is a meeting house. We are the church. But because you're here and because God is here, this is holy ground. We don't ask you to take off your shoes. but We do ask you to put away all your distractions. If your tablet or laptop or phone is a distraction... You know, if, you know, you open up your phone or your tablet and you've got your Bible verses up and everything else and you see notifications. Oh, there's an email. You know what? Bring one of these things here. This is an analog Bible. The, the battery never goes dead. You don't need updates. This is the faith once and for all handed down to the saints.
1: 4782 And you can connect with us on our website which is gracetoliveradio.org There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor okay. Keith's weekly blog and please remember that the Grace to Live radio program two, is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church, if you'd like to partner with us financially. And
2: one, of course, Again, all of these things the are hour. available to Where you on our this? website, we gracetoliveradio.org. Also, book I'd like to remind all you that the Pastor people Keith
1: and the staff and here he at Hillside above, always look forward to hearing people, from you.
2: And he so he if you'd like to drop us a note, you can
1: email us here at keith.org